Hey everybody, welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week we pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. And joining us this week, we also have... Alex. Yay! Always good to have you back, Alex. Yeah, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I actually don't have any emails or updates to uh, to talk about this week. Anybody else have anything to share, or we can just jump right in? Uh, I don't think so. Nothing for me. Well, in that case, let's just jump right into this week's topic, which is our favorite superhero movies, which is why Alex is here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's, yeah. the, he's the expert in the family on this topic. <laughs> just a big old nerd. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's great. But yeah, so we were up for a movie topic and and yeah, superhero movies. I know we talked about this, it was a while back when we did our action adventure movies and stuff because we were trying to figure out like, well, do we count these? Do we not count these? So this is our specific superhero movies topic uh, that we're doing today. And again, I forgot to talk about an order of who wants to go first. Anybody feel strongly about jumping in with their with their thing first? Maybe somebody who's got a bunch, like Alex, if uh, like Alex. it's hard I have, to narrow it down. I have a lot, but... <laughs> All right. All right. I'll jump right in. Take it away. Okay. So my, uh, I have a very long list and we might get to all of them. Might not. We'll see. We'll at least do honorable (laughs) mentions. This was very hard for me. I have a lot of superhero movies that I like for a lot of different reasons. um, But I felt I had to start with the first one as Iron Man from 2008. Um, directed by John Favreau, and this was the start of an era of superhero movies. Oh yeah, this kind of started the whole giant MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe bang that that kind of just blew up and made superhero movies so popular. And so, just there's so many of them out there. There's like dozens now. But yeah, it's just such a like there were definitely a lot of superhero movies before then. Some flops, some good ones, some some that are on my list that are that happened before then. But still, like this is like the beginning of a beautiful new golden age of superhero <laughs> movies. It's true. And and as I was doing some research on this and looking at, of course, a bunch of Marvel movies that are on the list here too, they really did something. Mar- Marvel has really done something unprecedented in cinema that I've ever seen before in that all of their movies are tied together. You know, it's not necessarily like, oh, you have to have seen this one to, for any of it to make sense. Like, there's a lot that stands on its own. But everything is kind of tied together. And I, I can't think of anything else in the history of cinema that has had that level of connectivity over, like like you said, dozens of movies, you know, 18, what is it, 18 or 20 movies or something like that, just in the lead up to Endgame, right? Yeah. And and there's more beyond that, but all of the the level of interconnectedness there. And actually, it's, it's good timing we're doing this now because I actually just recently finished uh, re-watching all of the <laughs> the Marvel movies uh, nice. from Iron Man through Endgame. And uh, yeah, it's 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 impressive. It's very impressive seeing how, how connected that all of them are. And yeah, like you said, it kicks it right off with uh, that first Iron Man. And the, yeah, I have I have the Iron Man trilogy uh, as as uh, some movies on my list too. They're so good. Nice. They are very good. Now, do you watch them in the order that they're released or have people put together like, I don't know, watch, watching orders so that you can see different story Both. arcs and stuff like that? Yeah, I've always watched them. Well, the, the two times I've seen all of them, I've watched them in movie release order. I know not too long ago, uh, Nolan and his family watched them all. Uh, there were quite a few they hadn't seen before, and they watched them in timeline order. So I know that's that's oh, different. Okay. I think Disney Disney Plus has it. Yeah, if you go to Disney yeah. Plus, they have timeline order that you can just watch them that way. Oh. And we did that last time around, which in some instances we kind of liked. Yeah. But there were some times where we're like, oh, that's a major spoiler for a different movie down <laughs> <Yeah>. the road. <laughs> that's funny. Well, yeah, like. 
the the timeline for the actual movie would be correct, but then the post credit scene would not, and so like it oh. just kind of threw things off. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. I wouldn't have thought of that, that. Yeah, that's interesting. Which yeah, this is like the beginning of that post credit scene, and I just recently read that. So the post credit scene for Iron Man, the first one, was written by Brian Michael Bendis, who is a prolific comic writer like he writes some really good avengers and just like other like marvel comics that i have on my shelf over there but it was it was filmed it was written by brian michael bendis filmed with a skeleton crew to keep spoilers out and like it was just so secretive and stuff like that to kind of set up those future superhero movies that big universe that's super cool i love that well who wants to go next I can jump in if you guys want. Sure. Yeah, go for it. So uh, one I want to talk about that it probably is on your list, Alex, is is probably my favorite superhero movie of all time. And it's actually not a Marvel movie. It's The Dark Knight. It is on my list, yes. I, I suspected it probably was on all of our lists. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty incredible movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so The Dark Knight came out in 2008. It's a sequel. It's the it's the second of the uh, Dark Knight trilogy from Christopher Nolan. And it's just, it's so very, very good. It's real dark, too. Like, you know, I mean, it's Batman. So, you know, it's going to be dark anyway because Batman. Yeah. But I feel like The Dark Knight had some really cool, like, like it, it kind of, took you to a place like mentally of like you're really having to think about some of this stuff like oh geez what would i do or what how would how would the actual world we live in react to some of these uh situations and uh the dark knight features my favorite of the batman villains and probably my favorite of all the 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 movie villains is the joker uh and the the absolutely perfect performance from heath ledger performing as the joker was just so good and it did very, very well in the box office. It had a budget of about $180 million, which is a big budget, uh, but it made a billion, which wow. is big money. That is a lot of money. <laughs> uh, Dark Knight was actually the first major motion picture to be filmed with high-resolution IMAX cameras. So there had been IMAX special, special things shot before, um, and there had been movies that had been shown in IMAX, but this was the first uh, like feature film, like a major motion picture to be filmed on IMAX cameras, which is pretty cool. And also on Wikipedia was saying that Christopher Nolan avoided the use of computer-generated imagery unless absolutely necessary, insisting on practical stunts, such as the flipping of the 18-wheel truck in that one scene they oh actually goodness. did that. That's not a computer-generated yeah. thing, which is oh, crazy. Wow. Um, and the blowing up of a factory. So <laughs> he, went, he went big. Oh I like that a lot. <laughs> but, yeah, I just I, – I, I feel like that's that's number one on my list. I Batman's one of my favorite superheroes to begin with, and the Joker's one of my favorite villains. And I think that the way this movie all came together, the, the story of it, the way it kind of makes you question things, the, the action sequences, all of the stuff, the psychological side of things, like – I think all of that came together to make just one of my favorite movies. And the soundtrack is so good. Like, every every part of yeah. this movie is so good. All of the players, all of the actors are so good. Like, I just, it, it's hard for me to find anything wrong with this movie. It's it's so great. Yeah. Harvey Dent is really good in it, too, as, like, Two-Face. Yeah. Uh, really, really good. the actor, Aaron, Aaron but. Card. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like that was kind of a rare instance, too, because I feel like at that time, it was kind of the thing to do of you have your first superhero movie and then the sequel, you got to have more villains. And by the third one, you got to have even more villains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so I feel like that's what happened is that we had Two-Face and we had the Joker and it was like, okay, so we're doing this again. But both of them were really good. I didn't feel like either of them really detracted from each other. Yeah. 
I also think it's really interesting that this is one of the rare cases for me where a sequel is better than the original. It's not to say the original is not good, because Batman Begins is very good. It's a great movie. Oh, yeah. But, like, you know, sequels have, have a notori- are notorious for uh, sometimes falling short, or, you know, maybe they you've got high expectations and they don't meet them, or they, they're rushed through, or they're, money, they're kind of a money grab. And this this is one of those rare instances where I feel like this is... So it's 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 better than either of the other uh, Dark Knight trilogy movies. Not again, not to say that either of them are bad, but this one just is a leaps and bounds above the others. Yeah, that one's that one's great. The Dark the Dark Knight, and I think something that's just uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of as a non psychologist, psychology type things, <laughs> psychological experiments or things in in the Dark Knight. I will say though, I did want to talk a little bit about Batman Begins. Because The Dark Knight is such a dark movie that I'm actually less likely to just turn on The Dark Knight to casually watch as I would Batman Begins. And and Batman Begins didn't didn't do as well, didn't have quite as much uh, uh, recognition and awards. It, it was profitable. And it, it's interesting that it seems like some people are kind of split on Batman Begins. Because in some ways, Batman Begins makes Batman very human. And and that feels off to some people who are like Batman. Batman's one of the the biggest superheroes in the in the in the industry. And how can you have just this guy who doesn't even know how to fight? And then he's he gets certain training. And uh, anyway, and 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 I feel like it does a very very good job of setting up the Dark Knight because one of the themes, in my opinion, is that in Batman Begins, there's a guy that tries to find out how to do good in the world, even if it's not a, a the normal approach, right? You know, he starts out pretty apathetic and, and vengeful and finds this way to do good in Gotham. And then in The Dark Knight, he becomes a villain to the public, at least, right? Like there's this rise in Batman Begins and then from from a perception of, of the people and of Gotham, Batman just takes a dive and, and just hits rock bottom. And it's not like it's a pause, wait for, the, wait for the third one until you find out what happens. Like it's a complete story, but it builds up and, and shows, I guess, the true meaning in a lot of ways of like what Batman is trying to accomplish and that... Being being popular or being having everything in the world doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be well liked or that you're going to yeah. have the success in the way that you want and things like that. So anyway, yeah. I had to throw Batman Begins in there. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, and that's and that's another reason that Batman is one of my favorite superheroes, along with Iron Man as well. That they don't actually have like superpowers. Like not not that that's bad. I love I love the the superpower superheroes, but like you know they're they're just exceedingly rich. Uh, you know, billionaire uh, playboy type of guys, but they, they through technology and training and stuff, find ways to, to be superheroes. But yeah, no, I, I, I do like that a lot. And it's a good point that, you know, Batman does, he, Batman does whatever Gotham needs, including if that means he needs to be the, the fall to preserve this idea of Harvey Dent or whatever. Like there's, it's, 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 it's part of what makes it such a complex and good movie. But yeah, Batman Begins is also excellent. Really good one. I mean, their superpower is being rich though. I thought, (laughs) I thought Alfred was a superpower. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's an aspect of having less supernatural, but super technological ability that comes through unlimited finances. Right. Yeah. 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 Can be explained. I I don't know the best way to describe it, but I still have yet to see any uh, articles of the newspaper about whatever alter ego Jeff Bezos has. So 
you know, wait, I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever Elon's doing in the night to protect some city. <laughs> I want to hear about it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, a big contrast to those. My most favorite superhero movie of all time is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. So good. And he, Miles Morales is as far away as you can get from... <laughs> A Tony Stark or a Bruce Wayne kind of character as you can get, I feel like. But I feel like Into the Spider-Verse really sang true to Stan Lee's big ideal that anybody could be Spider-Man. He was asked one time what his favorite character was that he had made. And he talked about how much he loved Spider-Man because he felt like anybody could be under that mask. Anybody could be doing good. It doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter anything about that. If you have a desire to do good, you can be Spider-Man pretty much. And I feel like Into the Spider-Verse, everything about it was so good, but I feel like it was so true to that character and that idea. And wasn't it the first superhero movie after Stan Lee died that came out? Because I feel like there was... I thought he did the voice for his character, though. Was that his last one? What year did Into the Spider-Verse It was 2018. But either way, it did feel like it just had this very true-to-his-message kind of feel to it. But also, of course, visually, it was stunning that it was this new kind of concept, that it was this mix of 2D and 3D animation, that they wanted it to look like it was straight out of a comic book. And that was definitely achieved (laughs) that it it had such a such a cool unique feel to it and like I was reading up even about the art style with it that as they were animating it they purposely overlaid images that were slightly off to make it look like a comic book misprint or things like that because that was so common Hmm. well I know they did that as well rather than blurring things so in the background you would just things would be different colors would be off and to, to get a different effect that focuses you on what's happening in front of you as well. Yes. Yeah. So there was a lot of cool things that were so technical in like reading about it that I, it was, You've heard of the, the stuff that's going around like TikTok and stuff about how miles was animated at a different frame rate than all of the other characters until he learns how to use his powers. And then he actually catches up with the same frame rate. He was, he was animated with a slower frame rate and then, as he huh. like gets into his powers, he goes up to a faster frame rate or something. I like never that. knew yeah. that. That's pretty cool. Oh, there's so much cool stuff in it that like I mean, not to give away any spoilers from it, but kind of a little bit. That, you know, there's different things of showing when they're looking at all the different spider suits and Miles is looking at the one suit and he doesn't quite line up. And then later when he gains this confidence that he goes to look at it, now the reflection does line up that his face is where the mask should be. And there's just so many cool things of him, you know, with Spider-Man stuff in general that he's upside down in some shots. And so it like looks so cool. And we actually haven't seen... Is it across the Spider-Verse? We haven't seen that, but even just from trailers from that, that you can see all the different uses of gravity (laughs) in their shots are so cool (laughs) just because that doesn't affect a spider person. I saw in relation to the frame rate stuff, Spider-Punk was also... uh, animated at a different frame rate because he doesn't conform to society. <laughs> That's cool. That's really that. cool. Well, and even just in uh, the Spider-Verse one that the characters we got, that we had Spider-Pig who was extra cartoony and Spider-Noir that was all black and white. And and there Pen- was always a breeze wherever he went. Yes. <laughs> and Penny Parker, they said they drew heavily from like Sailor Moon and 
Akira and Ghibli and stuff like that. And so she was so poppy and anime-y and whatever. But like the music was incredible. Plot-wise was so good. I've only read a little bit of Spider-Gwen, but I really like Spider-Gwen. And be able to see her in such a good movie (laughs) was really fun Mm -hmm. too. But I don't know, my favorite. If I remember right, what I had seen with Into the Spider-Verse is that a lot of the stylistic decisions were seen as pretty risky in one way or another. And across the Spider-Verse, probably one of the most, most interesting and visually stimulating experiences I've ever had in a movie ever, (laughs) where it's just this full set of of with your senses of of sight and sound of experiencing emotions in a way that are just so superb and and makes it me believe that this is getting theoretical here right that movies movies sometimes people think of it as a reproduction of what you see but that's not that's not in my opinion what movies are meant to do it's it actually follows more of the way that we think and that we feel and it's only through sight and sound that we that we get there and so anyway i yeah i won't say anything about the story or the different styles even though there are a lot of different styles and but it's yeah it's it's an amazing experience that's awesome well it's a cool concept too because when i first was getting into comic books i remember even having the conversation with Teresa one time that like it's overwhelming that you know i know i like rogue from x-men so i go in and i have no idea where to start in a comic book store of what to buy or what to read and there are so many different plot lines for the same character all over the place that it's really cool with spider-verse that they're introducing this idea of well there's all these spider people and they can all be in sort of the same universe that you know it's all kind of cross-dimensional we can kind of see them all over the place and i thought that was a really cool idea to say well all of them are the spider-man so it doesn't really matter which one you go with nice that's cool yeah uh, well, well, keeping continuing on the Spider-Man trend, uh, my second one is Spider-Man 2. That's on my list also. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so, it's so good. And like this, this is a sequel to the 2002 Spider-Man movie, which is the first Spider-Man, live action Spider-Man we got, not including the 92 fan-made Spider-Man movie that was made for less than $400. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> um, this... This movie, it was, uh, it, it came out before like the big era, before the Iron Man era of the MCU. But it's it's so good. It's one of my all time favorites. Stands up still to this day. Uh, directed by Sam Raimi with Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, and Alfred Molina in the starring roles. And this movie is just so so good. Sam Raimi does really good. Uh, he's directed a lot of really good movies, and this one is definitely one of them. It's one of my favorites. Doc Ock is played by Alfred Molina, and he's such a good character. He's just such a good villain. Spider-Man is struggling with with dealing. He's like coming into his powers and kind of getting used to everything. And then he gets this new villain who he's familiar with, and he struggles with with fighting against him and all this stuff. And I feel like uh, Molina as Doc Ock was a good, relatable character because... I don't know, somewhat like he he definitely was uh, driven a little crazy by the the Doc Ock arms, uh, which was kind of what was driving him. But he was also just doing things to try and advance science. And he's trying to build his his reactor and all this kind of stuff. And he doesn't realize that it's going to destroy all of New York City, everything. 
The fight scene on the train is such a cool, iconic fight scene. Uh, and it was one of the first ones that apparently Raimi like, thought up and one of the first ones they shot. Tobey Maguire does some of his own stunts in the movie. And I think he suffered because of that. Mm. He has said that he got hurt a couple times on like some of the Spider-Man sets. Oh, and wow. in the... No way in Spider-Man No Way Home, the movie that came out in 2021, I feel like that's referenced when he's talking about how his back is always hurting him and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. definitely a nod to that. But Man. Wow. I guess spoiler alert. Spoilers. <laughs> it's okay. The if internet have, has been around. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's been like two years. If then. you have not had that spoiled for you, congratulations and I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well that's so that's one that I had on my list as well. And I'm not sure if it's it's I'm sure it's part nostalgia because I did go I remember going to see it at the theater with with our oldest brother who's been on on the show before. And and I think that I don't know. It does a good job in a sequel of with character development. You have to, you either have to have some kind of fall or like it has to zoom out in some way and just see like a bigger picture. And there was almost like a little bit of both in here where he's, he's Spider-Man and that's awesome. But there's a bit of finding what matters to him and doing stuff for the right reasons. And, and, but then also just that there's this wider, wider impact out there rather than just, something personal i know i know it probably seems like this with all superheroes right but that there's just so much more as far as like alex alluded to of of potentially a city being destroyed rather than just hey this guy's this guy's going nuts who knows what he's gonna do kind of thing so yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. I, I love spider-man too yeah that was such a good one 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 yes <laughs> uh let's see the next one I want to talk about is a Marvel movie, uh, is Guardians of the Galaxy. So good. It's on my list. <laughs> I haven't seen the third one yet, so no spoilers, but I really enjoyed the first and second. I like both of them, so I'm, I'm kind of lumping them together, although if I had to pick a favorite, probably the first one. Well, the statute of limitation is two years, so if you haven't seen it after two years of, of the third one coming out, Shannon's going to spoil it for you, <laughs> just so you know. Well, I, we, we haven't seen it either, actually. I forgot. That's the one I haven't seen. Yeah. We just barely saw it was the, the last Ant-Man. Quantumania. Oh, gotcha. Which is yeah. really good too. Well, anyway, so I so I do want to see the third one, but uh, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, they're some of my favorite heroes, especially in in the Marvel universe, because they're just so fun, right? Like, there's yeah. all of these superhero movies. Like, especially this is. I feel like this is a big contrast to you know from the Dark Knight, where it's very serious, it's very heavy, it's very brooding. Guardians of the Galaxy is like silly from like the first two minutes. You know, yeah. I love the inclusion <laughs> of all these like '60s and '70s like pop songs and stuff oh, yeah. you know it's, it's got a cool soundtrack yeah. it's got a great or- orchestral soundtrack but you just keep like sticking in these really fun cool songs as they're doing stuff you know that first that first scene where quill is is this doesn't spoil anything if you haven't seen it but quill's like on the surface of this planet and he's looking for this thing and he's just like singing and dancing along as he's as he's <laughs> looking you know it's like instantly you can tell it's just a it's just a good time it's a lot of fun i think the casting is so good on this i think uh chris pratt is great as as peter quill uh zoe saldana is great Dev, dave bautista <laughs> bautista <Yes>. as uh <laughs> as uh so good. <laughs> drax is so good he's one of my favorite characters apparently he cried when he uh when he got 
called for that role because he was so excited to oh, like, really? be in a Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so good. It's one of my favorite roles just because he's like, for anybody who hasn't seen it, like Drax is like this like alien, like muscle man kind of guy. And he's so strong, but he also like, he, he does not understand like sarcasm and like there's, what's, what's the line where they're like, Peter says something to make fun of him and, and uh, <laughs> he says, uh, you're wasting your time. You're just going to go over his head. And he's like, it would never go over my head. My reflexes are too quick. I would catch it. <laughs> it just yes. cracks me up. I am not a princess. <laughs> um, Vin Diesel as Groot and uh, Bradley Cooper as uh, Rocket, who is also one of my favorite characters. It's Rocket is so good. And the first movie has a few other uh, cool people as well. John C. Riley is in it. Glenn Close is in it. Benicio del Toro. Anyway, it's. I just, I, that's, that's my favorite thing about those, the Guardians movies is there's so much fun that you know that like, even when things get serious, like it's going to make you laugh. There's just nonstop yeah. jokes and things in these movies that really cracked me up. So yeah, I, I'm excited to see the third one. And uh, yeah, the first, the first two were fantastic. That was one of the first Marvel ones that I had no interest in seeing, but <laughs> they, like there were trailers and stuff. And I was like, what is this? Like I, at that point I was reading a lot of comic books. I was aware of a lot of characters. Like I knew about Squirrel Girl and like, I was like, okay, I get it. This is a weird bunch of characters. And Alex was really excited because you were familiar with the characters. I wasn't at all with this bunch. And I was like, I mean, Marvel hasn't done a bad job yet, so... It'll, it'll probably be good. And then I remember leaving the theater like, wow, I really liked that raccoon and that tree. <laughs> like, what a good movie. <laughs> that raccoon. Uh, there's just so many good things. And then running jokes, too. Like, at the very beginning when someone shows up and Peter Quill, he, he's also, he also goes by Star-Lord. And he's like, he says something like, you guys might know me as Star-Lord. And they're like, what? Who? He's like, no, you don't know who I am? And then at the end of the movie, right before some big fight, they come in and they're like, Star-Lord. And he's like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I love it. James Gunn does a really good job with superhero movies. Yeah, and he does. he does not let us down with that one. Yeah, for sure. Am I next? I forgot. Sure. Uh, you are Shannon. I forget. I think who. you were next. Well, the next one I have is probably on a couple of people's list, so feel free to chime in. It is our good old friend, The Incredibles. Yes. Yay. Love that one. And I, I hopefully all of you have seen it before. If you saw, if it looked just like a kid's movie and you weren't interested, I definitely recommend it even as an adult. And it's just, it's, it's very, very different than any of the movies we've talked about, but it also is very funny. Uh, I guess very different type of humor than Guardians of the Galaxy, but just very, very funny. And kind of just this world... The Incredibles takes place in this world with this family who has superpowers and that superheroes basically get banned because they cause too much damage and just leave it to the police. And so how do you live a normal life or how do you then get involved in other things, right, of, of actually helping and figuring out how to help? And anyway, and then a little bit of a spoiler, but one of the main villains then doesn't necessarily have superpowers inherent born with them, superhuman type type things, but uses technology and realizes that he, he was frustrated because he was left out. He just couldn't be a superhero. And so anyway, just really, really funny. I don't have a ton to add for it other than 
The music also is amazing on this one. Just an amazing soundtrack. But I don't know. What else do you all want to add about it? I, I love the world that is built for us. So the, the movie takes place in kind of a retro futuristic version of the 1960s. So every, everything has that kind of cool 60s vibe, the design of the cars and the houses and the way people dress and all of that. But yeah, I, I, I do love and it's something that has been delved into in other things like, you know, the Captain America Civil War talked about sort of a similar thing of like superheroes do a lot of collateral damage. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the, the joke. And it's like, what do you do with that? And so, yeah, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl and Frozone are some of the some of the core people you meet at the beginning of the movie. But they have to they like are government mandated to quit doing that. And so then, yeah, they have kids and the kids have superpowers, but they're like, what do we do with this? Like, you know, Dash, the the little boy that is like super speed, super fast, you know, he's getting into trouble at school and doing this stuff and they're kind of acting out because like we've got superpowers, but we can't do anything with it. And what do we do? Yeah. And not even allowed to run in in track, right? Yeah, you they know? can't even let him go <laughs> for the track team because obviously like he's he's basically the flash, like, you know, so it's it's I, I just love the this world and and the the story building that's there. And I just want to tack on as well, uh the Incredibles 2 was also really good i i get nervous for sequels especially when it's been a long time and it's like well this movie ended what do we what's the next part of the story <laughs> yeah but i was really pleased with incredibles 2 it picks up literally right where incredibles uh the first movie leaves off uh and i thought it was really well done really yeah, good i agree i actually just i actually watched this like uh sunday night knowing we were gonna do this topic i was like i can awesome. watch the incredibles again <laughs> <laughs> it's so good yeah the soundtrack how do you say his name shannon michael or or uh gia Kino? I always said Giacchino. Michael Giacchino. <laughs> growing Giacchino. up and stuff. But I think, yeah, I think it's like Pinocchio Giacchino. Okay. That, that sounds right. Michael, if you're listening, please write in and let us know how, <laughs> how do we say your name, sir? <laughs> um, also, I love your work. Yes. His music is so good. And, and, we, and we didn't even say uh, it was written and directed by Brad Bird, which we've talked about a little bit. He did The Iron Giant and he did some of the Mission Impossible movies that we've talked about a little bit. I actually, uh, reading on Wikipedia, says that he actually pitched this movie to Pixar after the disappointing box office performance of The Iron Giant. And so he didn't really... He didn't feel justified going back to Warner Brothers saying, hey, I want to make another movie if they were like, well, you, your first one didn't make any money. So he went to Pixar to pitch this movie and they were interested. He was the first outside director that Pixar had worked with. Pixar's first few movies all had uh, in-house uh, kind of on the Pixar team uh, directors and pr production team and stuff. And this was the first movie where they had an outside director with Brad Bird. And he actually brought a lot of the same crew that he worked on The Iron Giant with to join him at Pixar to do The Incredibles, which is pretty cool. Oh. I didn't know that. And he's Edna, isn't he? He is the voice of Edna, yes. <laughs> I think I heard that in an interview that he was like trying to give an example of, no, I wanted to sound like this. And he would like give examples. And finally they were like, we're not getting better than that. I think yeah. I think you're Edna. <laughs> One of those cases where the temp read, they're like, well, this is, this is as good as it can be. This is perfect. So yeah, he's pretty good at that too. <laughs> okay. Shannon, well, your turn, I think. Yes. I was trying to kind of go through, like, because I was thinking of the different, like, the Marvel movies, the DC movies, the Sony movies, like, all that. And I was trying to pick my most favorite for the Marvel movies. And that was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is but hard. I think of my top three, for sure, we got to talk about Black Panther. Oh, yes. Which we, I think, mentioned it on favorite villains at some point, because I think we talked about Killmonger a little bit on that one. Black Panther is so good everything about it and we talked about Killmonger being such a good villain because he is he's not wrong in his way of thinking he just 
you know, and that's what makes such a good villain is someone who you can see their side. They just are taking it to the extreme a little too much. But like the soundtrack is incredible and was actually written by Ludwig Goranson, another person I'm probably saying his name wrong, (laughs) Uh, who also did The Mandalorian, actually. Yeah. And his soundtrack of like, you know, the drums that are so iconic for Black Panther. He did a really cool thing that when he knew he was in charge of it, he went to Africa and he started studying the instruments that were there. And he went to different museums. And I think um, I'd heard in some interview, I couldn't find it looking around uh, online, though. But I'd heard once, somebody fact check me or don't take my word for it, (laughs) that some of the instruments that were used were ones that had not really been played in a very long time. And that, you know, there's not really any recording of them being played hardly anywhere but he wanted to have this very authentic piece of music for this and so he wa- he asked for permission and everything and he was able to get people to play them and uh, incorporate them into his soundtrack and then the soundtrack that kind of goes along with the movie uh, was produced by Kendrick Lamar which is such a good soundtrack too yeah uh, but such an incredible movie and like culturally so significant which is amazing and Chadwick Boseman was incredible, and um, he had died in 2020 of colon cancer, I think. And he had wanted to just live his life, so he hadn't really told anybody that he just wanted to yeah. do what he loved doing. And so it just has such a going back and rewatching it. It's already such an incredible movie, but going back and rewatching it and just really appreciating Chadwick Boseman you know we kind of had mentioned the same thing with Dark Knight of Heath Ledger that was his last film wasn't it yeah yeah Heath Ledger actually passed away before the movie was released he died in I think oh, January right. of 2008 wow. and and yeah Dark Knight came out in I think July or August of 2008 yeah yeah Ugh. but yeah such such incredible works from these people when I was I was looking too, because yeah, after uh, Chadwick Boseman had died, they had announced that they were not going to recast T'Challa, and so they wrote that into the sequel, Wakanda Forever. But I actually, Alex, I don't know if you knew this, you probably did, but also looking at it, there's going to be a Disney Plus series that takes place in Wakanda, and it's probably about Okoye. Did you hear about that? I did not. That's I'm cool. all here for it because Okoye is the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. I I really liked and and I really respect their choice to not recast uh T'Challa. Mm-hmm. And and the opening, you know, they always do cool stuff with the the Marvel logo. The opening to Wakanda Forever instantly just had me in tears. It was so it was such oh, a nice, beautiful like tribute to Chadwick Boseman. I I actually got to work with him once and he was just the most kind and talented uh person and just absolutely fantastic human being and yeah it was it was a really nice tribute to him at the beginning of Wakanda Forever whose turn is it now I can't remember you're back I lost track of people oh good I couldn't remember Uh, where were we uh my my next one is uh Captain America the Winter Soldier also my top three and I know I've talked about this before on this podcast because I talked about the (laughs) the comic book that it is based off of of the same name very good um this movie came out in 2014 was directed by Anthony and Joe Russo um, and it was adapted from Ed Brubaker's comic. It's a political thriller, and it is 
11 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> Those fight scenes, though. Yeah, the fight scenes. And I read that Sebastian Stan, who plays the Winter Soldier, he actually would practice his, like, his knife flips and, like, his tricks <laughs> throughout shooting, like, even, even when he's not using them, so it could look natural. And, like, I feel like it does. Like, he did, he, like, nailed that. Like, did a really good job of, and he did a lot of extra training and fight choreography and all that stuff. Anthony Mackie, who plays the Falcon in this movie, spoiler alert coming up, he has wanted to play a superhero in a Marvel movie for a long time. He did want to play Captain America. And he, like, before this movie came out, he'd been emailing Marvel uh, and Kevin Feige, uh, started like noticing that this guy had been like sending in all these requests. So he cast him as the Falcon and now he gets to be Captain America, which he's very, he, I, I love it when like nerds, like people who are really like excited about like the comics, they grew up reading the comics, nerds like me get to like betray them on the screen. That's pretty it's cool. It's just really cool to me. Yeah. And Scarlett Johansson is so good in it too. Yeah. All that Black Widow stuff is so awesome. And I mean, Chris Evans, great too. We haven't even mentioned the titular character, yeah. Captain <laughs> oh, America by himself. By the way, he's in it. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think it's his birthday today. <gasps> wow. Is it really? Chris? Yeah, happy birthday, Chris Evans. Yeah. Happy birthday. If you're, li- if you're listening, if you're Chris listening, Evans, love uh, your work. send us an email. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> and just to be clear, this isn't released on your birthday. So That's you true. don't, whatever day your birthday this. We're recording. That's the day we're recording, yeah. just to be clear. <laughs> Which is such a great movie. It's just so like, like so many cool, iconic moments. The scene at, near the beginning of the movie where Captain America pulls out his notebook to take down Anthony Mackie's suggestions on like, I think it was a soundtrack or something like that. It was an album. Yeah, it was an album. Uh, he pulls out his notebook. Apparently, that's like... I'm sure everyone's seen that it's different based on where you watch the movie, like the region. So like they all list Thai food, Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Nirvana, Rocky, and Trouble Man that he's writing in there. But like the UK version lists the Beatles, Sir Sean Connery, and Sherlock. (laughs) The Australian version shows ACDC, Space Travel, Steve Irwin. Italian shows... Ferrari's victory at the F1 Grand Prix. Uh, The French one shows the fifth element and Daft Punk. Nice. The South Korean version shows Dance Dance Revolution. (laughs) And the Latin American version shows Shakira. (laughs) That's so cool. I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, neither did I. But yeah, there's there's like a bunch of others, but like things that 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 I wouldn't even know. Like the Spanish version listed Chupa Chups, a candy brand, which I don't even know what those are. So there's a bunch, bunch of stuff. You can go look up the list online. It's like out there in the internet. Nice. Um, the next one I want to mention real quick is actually not a superhero movie, but a super villain movie. And it's Megamind. It's a <laughs> nice. movie from uh, DreamWorks that came out in 2010. And it is all about this guy named Megamind, who is a supervillain. He has a giant brain and is a like a blue-skinned alien. And he ends up on Earth, and he is just plagued his whole life by this superhero who has a very uh, Superman-ish kind of background to him. His name's Metro Man, who uh, defends Metro City, and uh, Megamind is is the villain. It's fr- it's all from his perspective, uh, and it's basically his battles with Metro Man. It's such a funny movie. Will Ferrell 
Tina Fey, Jonah Hill, David Cross, Brad Pitt uh, are all in it. And it's just a movie that cracks me up. It actually kind of had modest success at the box office. Uh, so it came out in 2010, had a budget of about $130 million, and it made about $300 million. So it was successful, but it was DreamWorks, uh, DreamWorks Animation's lowest grossing film of the 2010s, which I thought was very interesting. But it's, it's one of those movies that whenever it kind of makes the cycle around on like Netflix streaming service or, or it, it probably exists elsewhere uh, more often, but whenever it makes the rounds, it's always one that I watch and just laugh the whole time. All the funny idiosyncrasies that Megamind, his, one of the tells about him is he can never pronounce Metro City right. He always calls it Metrocity. <laughs> <laughs> it's just dumb stuff like that but it's it's very very funny and uh i don't have much else to say about it aside from that it's just it makes me laugh every time and it's a good one i've never seen it but it looks like it's available on amazon prime i'll have to get, give it a, a watch i don't think i've days. ever seen it all the way through what? i've seen I i've saw, seen it so many times i know you have the tolmans <laughs> love that movie <laughs> but the, Tol- the tolmans do love that movie well, that's the things i've seen I saw like half of it during like a choir tour thing, like on the bus that I was half paying attention to the first half and then I started paying attention to the second half. And then, yeah, hanging out at like your brother's house, it's been on in the background for their kids like always. So, (laughs) And I will always sit down and watch it with them every time. Well, I highly recommend it. If you get a chance to watch it, you guys, you should check it out. It's very funny. Well, I figured others would have a lot more detail. So I I was just going to go into a few and kind of be peanut gallery. So if we want to keep the rotation going, um, I'll, I'll just skip on mine this time around. Either way, that works for me. I'm just going to look at Alex's list. I also really like <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. Alex, tell us more. Thief. Thief. <laughs> no, if this one's yours, then No, do it's it. your turn. I like Thor Ragnarok. It's funny. Alex, tell us more. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Thief, uh, Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> yeah, good, great movie. It's uh, it's in the the realm of funny Marvel movies. It's very came out funny, in 2017, yeah. directed by Taika Waititi. And I I read today in in doing research for this topic that one of the reasons why it's so funny is because Taika said that 80, supposedly 80 percent of the movie is improvised or ad lib. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a large percentage. Yeah, so like. I don't know what his script looked like or like if it was all just <laughs> scribbled out. Say or... something funny here and here. <laughs> yeah. But the the line, uh, he's a friend from work, was a suggestion from a Make-A-Wish kid who was there that day during shooting. Really? Oh, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's like one of the, the iconic lines that, that yeah. gets shown in <laughs> over the years of Marvel movies. He's a friend from work. That's awesome. I love that. So cool. It's a, it's a good mashup of a Thor and Hulk movie, kind of based loosely off of the Planet Hulk uh, comic run that they did for a while where there was this big uh, Hulk planet where there was gladiator fights and all this stuff and Hulk was one of the main gladiators. Thor gets thrown from his world, loses his hammer, and ends up fighting Hulk on the gladiator planet. Jeff Jeff Goldblum is gold <laughs> he's in this so movie. Amazing. <laughs> he's probably one of the reasons why there's a lot of ad-libbed stuff because he's just a funny dude. I swear they just point the camera at him and just be like, all right, be you. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Have you ever watched the docuseries The World According to Jeff Goldblum? I've watched some. It's so oh, it's good. Funny. It's hilarious. Like, he's just he's just a weird dude. And so throwing him in the Marvel Universe, 10 out of 10. Like, so good. He's Such so good. Such a good choice, yeah. <laughs> I love that. 
Kate Blanchett. That's who was Hella, right? Uh-huh. Kate Blanchett was she was gorgeous and just killer. She, like she was great. I loved Tom Hiddleston as Loki in this. You sort of get like a re- sort of redemption with him. Like he he kind of comes into becoming sort of a hero. I love this the the lines where Thor is telling the story about how one time when I was little I was. Uh, I had caught this snake. My brother knew how much I loved snakes, and he turned into a snake. And when I picked it up and admired it, he turned back into himself and stabbed me. He said, ha, gotcha. I don't remember the whole story exactly. Yeah. Well, isn't that like loosely based off of an actual Norse myth? Uh, No, not. Oh. I, thought I mean, you were just- Loki <laughs> in Norse mythology could. He turned into a lot of different oh, things. Oh, no, I'm thinking of the one that he cut off. Uh, what's your face's hair? Uh, Sif's hair. Sif's yeah. hair. No, that's what I was thinking of. But I do like he when he turns into is... a fly and he bites Brock and Sindri. <laughs> in that, in the myth, in not that in, myth, not no. in the Marvel movie. But no, I, the story that you're saying though, I do like that when Chris Hemsworth saying it, it's probably one that's improvised. But the Tom Hiddleston starts laughing. And yes, <laughs> it looks as though it's just Loki remembering fondly. But I bet it was Tom Hiddleston laughing. <laughs> it probably was breaking character. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah really good i like uh hella walking through the vault and uh when she's going to get uh fenrir uh she you see the infinity gauntlet that you had seen from thor one and she pushes it over and she's like fake <laughs> trying to apparently that, the- that was yeah uh continuity error error <laughs> because they had shown it in thor one but then at the end of age of ultron they showed thanos being like fine i'll do it myself and uh that was a different infinity gauntlet so that's how they fix the continuity error. That's so funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I love it. Korg is a great addition to the Marvel Universe as well. Yes. Love that guy. Quick little trivia side note. So Kate Blanchett is, uh, of course, in Lord of the Rings, and Carl Urban is in Lord of the Rings, but neither of oh, them yeah, ever yes. have any screen time together in that movie. The The two characters are never on screen at the same time, never in the same place. Uh, so it was kind of cool to see them side by side in this movie doing all this cool stuff, Yeah. Uh, even though I was like, hey, they're both from Lord of the Rings, but they were never together in Lord of the Rings, and here they are together in this one. So I like that. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were just watching uh, The Return of the King tonight. Yeah, nice. noticing the baby Carl Urban. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Is it my turn? Sure. I think it's my turn. I got one more. Just, a, uh, again, a quick one, because I know, Alex, you've got a long list. I want to give you plenty of time. Um, I want to do a quick shout-out to uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies in the 90s. Those ones oh, yeah. were so good. <laughs> Not to say the other ones weren't good, but whenever I think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I instantly think of the 90s films. In fact, the first one uh, was from 1990, and it always kind of blows my mind. I always, I don't know why in my mind I'm thinking of superheroes as having been around for a long time, right? Like, that they've th- these superhero characters, the comics or whatever, whatever were invented like in the 30s or 40s or 50s and they've been around for so long. The Ninja Turtles were first published, the st- first comics about them were from 1984. Like they're not that old. Huh. And so this movie, the 1990 movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was their first film. And I just think it's so much fun. The The characters are so cool. I love the way they were portrayed. I love the big animatronic suits that they're in that, that were created by the Jim Henson Creature Shop. In fact, it actually uh, was one of the last films that Jim Henson worked on before he passed away. He, he died just shortly after the premiere, actually, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow. But it's, it's such a fun movie, and I love the look of it with these suits. I love the banter between the four turtles, um, the, the way Master Shredder, or, or sorry, Master Splinter is, is portrayed, and the Shredder is so 
also cool. The Foot Clan, it's also cool. And I also really liked the sequel from 1991, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. That was also a really fun one, uh, even though it was actually not nearly as successful as the first in the box office. Um, I thought it was a ton of fun. So I just wanted to make sure and <laughs> call out those ones real quick. They're, they're some of my favorites. Those are a couple other movies that I haven't thought about in a while, but now that you talk about it, I really want to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> they're very fun. Well, speaking of, I don't know if you guys have seen trailers for the upcoming new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, Mutant Mayhem. Yes, I think it looks so it good. It looks amazing. Like, the animation is really cool for it. But I love that for the first time... I really thought that those turtles were teenagers. <laughs> like <That's> in, <laughs> in the original that you're talking about, like the animatronics are big and cool and cowabunga dude and like all that. But it's so dated for its time and they're so big. It's where true, yeah. in this trailer, that's all I've seen of it. First of all, they're actually voiced by teenagers. So they kind of have a, a squeaky oh, voice cool. to uh-huh. them. But like that they're throwing stuff and trying to hit it with their ninja stars and like they're being stupid teenagers. And <laughs> yeah. I think it looks really, really good. Yeah, great. Gracie showed us the trailer. Gracie's a big fan of of the Ninja Turtles, and she showed us the trailer, and I was like, oh, this looks really good. This looks like it's so much fun. I love that. It's so cool. What else we got? Sean, you're still still laying out? Yeah, I don't have any others that I've researched in a lot of detail. Cool. All I've got left is honorable honorable mentions, but... Alex, talk about whatever you want. We'll just chime oh, in. No. I'm sure we've yeah, seen. You know what else what you I like? You guys can the Avengers ju- movies. Those you guys are really can good. Jump on the bandwagon for these. Uh, but the next, the next is a series of four movies: the Avengers movies, starting off in 2012 with Joss Whedon's The Avengers. That was just that was like the 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 first sort of like big budget like multiple heroes and all that stuff the first Avengers movie and it was so it was I feel like going back now and like now that we've seen Infinity War and Endgame it was so small scale comparatively <laughs> but it was still so good for the time like I remember I saw that so many times in the theaters and was just like eaten up every minute of it. Um, but I pulled up some fun facts from some of these movies. And uh, from the original Avengers, apparently there were very few times that the whole crew was together. But at one point, they were all together, all in the same city, shooting. And Chris Evans texted the whole group, Assemble, which is the the titular <laughs> uh, Captain America line, which he doesn't say in this movie, but he texted the group Assemble, and they all had a night out together. And Clark Gregg, who plays Agent Coulson in that movie and in uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he states that that is his favorite text he has ever received. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> and Avengers Age of Ultron was, it's, it's an honorable mention. It's not like a top one, but Infinity War and Endgame are definitely top ones. Yeah. Only. Absolutely. In fact, I have them on my list. On I have them as honorable mentions, mostly because I knew you would talk about them. But I actually have them listed together because it's almost like you know how we've talked. We've talked about like you, you can watch like the first Star Wars and be cool with that, but you can't watch just like one Lord of the Rings movie. Like you have to kind of watch them all. I feel like Infinity War and Endgame are that same kind of thing. Like you know they're long, so maybe you don't watch them like back to back together. But no, you do. You gotta watch. <laughs> they go together. It's the same story. It's all like if you don't watch them all in one day, you got to watch them within a couple of days because they they it's the same story it's the same yeah. thing well i mean no you have to watch them the way that we had to <laughs> which was one year apart watching <laughs> watch infinity war and then you have to be stuck on a cliffhanger for one year 
for the next one to come out. Well, oh boy. and working with kids, they don't know how spoilers work, that they will just be like, oh, yeah, I saw this movie and it was so good. And so I had kind of told myself for several years there where like I really, really cared about the Marvel movies as they were coming out. But I was like, I cannot go to work until I have seen these movies because I will have them spoiled. <laughs> so true, Infinity yeah. War, we went to a like 3 a.m. showing. <laughs> so we went to the movie and then Alex dropped me off at work on his way home. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's dedication. You you said that you have to watch them back to back. Did you know they were actually shot back to back? That doesn't surprise me. I didn't know that, but that's really cool. In a span of 200 days, so like That's sort of getting close production. to a year. Yeah. And speaking of spoilers, uh, because <laughs> Mark Ruffalo and Tom Holland were both notorious for spoiling things accidentally. They were both, they, neither of them were given a full script and occasionally they were given fake scripts. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And the only, the only person who was, who was given the entire script for both movies was actually Robert Downey Jr., which makes sense if you, if you know what happened. Yeah. What, well, he started it all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was the only one that got both scripts for both movies. Wow. That does make sense, yeah. Yeah. So here's your job. I need you to write something that seems real. And we're going <laughs> to hand it off to these people, but don't, you know. Just... Some, that's true. Someone got paid to write a dummy <laughs> script for those guys. I love that. Yes. They, well, and Tom Holland has even said, he's like, oh, I thought this was supposed to be a wedding. Like, <laughs> No, they, they, they shot two things for the end. For the end of Endgame, they shot a wedding and they shot a funeral and did not tell the cast which was the real thing. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. But in Endgame, my still favorite scene of any superhero movie or just any movie in general was the scene in Endgame where Captain America grabs Mjolnir out of the air. I died. I I screamed in the movie theater. Yes. (laughs) Well, the whole movie theater screamed was the thing. Yeah. (laughs) It was so epic. And 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 yeah, there's there are moments of uh, of Endgame that just like brought tears to my eyes. Like a couple obvious moments, but like there were just some that were so big and epic and like so like oh like I'm so caught up in the moment that I just like teared up. I was so happy. It was so exciting yeah what a movie yeah well, there's there's a leak somewhere that somebody had filmed in the theater that big climactic fight scene at the end and just chris evans going avengers assemble and the whole audience just like explodes cheering and everything and as much as you know don't film movies sitting in a movie theater i that clip that i you see floating around it really brings back that memory because that's how it was i feel like in every single theater that everybody was losing their mind over that scene like it was so good yeah i'm 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 also i've seen those clips too and i'm glad those videos exist because it's pretty cool to see that reaction and everybody in the theater being kind of in the same boat of like that same excitement and that same energy that's really cool yeah Keep going. Sure. All the rest of my list is honorable mentions, and uh, right. so I say if you you talk about whatever you want, we'll just all I mean, follow along. <laughs> I got I got two more that are both pretty quick. Spider Man Homecoming is my next one. That's the top one on my honorable mentions list. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. It's is so good. Second to Spider Man Two, but with Tobey Maguire is this one with Tom Holland. Really good. Uh, Tom Holland kills it as Spider Man. He's very quippy. He's he's how the comic Spider Man. Always was, and I love it. Yes, Tom Holland is a treasure. He is so perfect for Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2 is my favorite Spider-Man movie, but Tom Holland is still my favorite Spider-Man. But uh, this movie came out in 2017, directed by John Watts. And the scene where uh, the vulture drops the rubble on Peter and he uh, is lifting it up 
and using all of his might, is actually almost pulled straight from a 1966 comic panel by Steve Ditko, one of the creators of Spider-Man. And it was one of the last issues that he drew. And it's so, just brings so much feels. So good. Love it. I just always like going to see superhero movies with you because you always tell me that stuff like <laughs> as we're walking out of the movie. Hey, so you remember that one scene? That was straight from this comic book. I'll show you when we get home. It's so cool. I love that you have that knowledge of all that stuff. It's really cool. Well, thanks. I got to use my nerd knowledge for something. <laughs> we all appreciate it. I can't it. keep uh, actual useful things in my brain, just the nerd knowledge. <laughs> Last one is Deadpool. This one, uh, not 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 for kids. It's R-rated movie. Uh, I know this podcast is rated PG. Yeah, I yeah. Think so. E for everyone. Oh yeah, E. We're rated E for everyone. <laughs> We're gonna e part of that, that rating system. <laughs> but yeah, Deadpool is rated R. But it's it's a funny movie. It's really great. It's uh, Ryan Reynolds's. Brain Ryan child. Reynolds is Deadpool, I think. <laughs> he really is. He does such a good job. And like he has been wanting to play Deadpool for, I mean, before that came out in what movie? What year did Deadpool come out? I just lost the paper. You I lost threw, your notes. Threw you threw it. it. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, 2016. When it came out. 2016. Uh, be- years before that, he wanted to be Deadpool and they shot like a whole scene for it and stuff like that. Uh, but it's really funny because the studio had no faith in Deadpool before it came out. Fox had cut several things from the movie, uh, several million dollars right like at the last minute. And it's funny because Deadpool being the fourth wall breaking character he is, he references that. He goes to the the X-Men <laughs> mansion and he's like, it's weird that you have this giant mansion and I only see two of you around. It's like they didn't have the budget to hire anyone else. <laughs> and the fact that in several scenes he forgets like his whole giant ammo bag, that's because they cut things from the movie. Is because like so they cut all this money. So like he's like, Well, we don't have special effects money, so we're just gonna do a sword fight scene instead of a gunfight scene. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh besides honorable mentions, that's my list. Amazing. Well, cool. Well then yeah, I guess this is a this is a good spot to wrap it up and we'll do a little rapid fire after the wrap up here. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. This has been this has been fun. It's good to have your expertise on on this topic. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I should go with you to see superhero movies to get your your insights and background on everything. For reals, yeah. I mean, if you want to just like do a do a FaceTime with me while you watch a movie and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, this is this is this and that and that." <laughs> Disney Plus has their group watching now, so oh, yeah. we'll have to do some watch parties. Oh yeah. That's true. That's true. That's a good I'll give on the you, Alex commentary. I'll give you yes. not a direct <laughs> Yeah, the Alex commentary. I like this idea. I'm, I'm in for it. Well, this is probably a good spot to wrap it up, but as usual, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com or look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite superhero movies. There's so many, just not not even just within the Marvel Universe. There's so many out there, and we, we've only talked about a few. Uh, let us know what your favorites are. Also, let us know if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any future episodes, and we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And if you don't feel like giving us a five-star rating, is it because we uh, spoiled a movie that's like 20 years old? Because, you know, you got to get on this at some point. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to guilt you over that. I'm sorry. But I guess that'll do it. Until next week, my name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. And I'm Alex. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Cue the music.
All right, honorable mentions, shall we? I've only got a couple that you didn't cover already. Yeah, I think all of mine have been covered. I actually got close my nose <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> Captain America Civil War. Me too. Same. Uh, Logan. I had Black Widow on my list. Me too. Same. Big Hero 6. X-Men First Class and X-Men Days of Future Past. Doctor Strange. Shang-Chi. Ant-Man. Birds of Prey. Nice. That's all. You got. You covered them mine. <laughs> Werewolf by Night. This one's for you, Adam. Sky High. That movie was great. <laughs> the Batman with Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Oh, Joker. It's a, a villain rather than a superhero, but I love Joker. Scott Pilgrim, if that counts. It's sort of superhero-y. I saw that on a couple of lists, and I was like, is that a superhero movie? I guess maybe, sort of. It's honorable so, mention, because I don't know if it counts. But if it does, I like Scott Pilgrim a lot. Plus, it's obviously. awesome, so we can mention it again. It's a great movie. Shazam and James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which is the only Suicide Squad that exists. The other one does not exist. <laughs> Nice. Wiped from the face of the earth. <laughs> oh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, That's Wonder Woman was good for me. But 1984 does not exist. <laughs> yeah, gone. I wanted to like gone. Wonder Woman. I really did. Funny. It was not my favorite. The first, yeah, the first Wonder Woman was good. We just barely changed Alexa in our house to be Amazon, and we watched that, and oh. there was trouble. The so whole movie, I bet. We switched it, we switched it to, to Echo, and that's what stuck ever since. <laughs> that's pretty oh, funny. No. We're like, oh, it keeps going off. <laughs> 